0: Being able to challenge people a bit, I think that that can be really important for their own learning. And so for myself, like, w- whether it's speaking with family members or friends, you know, if things are said that make me uncomfortable. I think in the past, it was like, oh, that's just I'm brushing it off because that's what that person, you know, that's what they're like. And now it's like, nah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge them a bit on that one because I don't agree with what they're saying. I don't think it's a right perception to put out there or right thoughts that someone should be thinking, um, and just being able to challenge it, I think a bit more.
1: Hey folks, what's happening? Welcome to your forest. My name is Matthew Kristoff. And on this podcast, we talk about the environment and the science of sustainability. Now, today's episode was really enjoyable for me. It's been a long time coming. Um, it's, it's a subject that I've just been thinking about for a long time and trying to do justice. And finally, I found somebody that I think could do that. And that is Jessica Kaknovicious. Jessica is the VP of Education at SFI. That is the Sustainable Forestry Initiative. And she is also the co-founder of Women in Wood, which is the reason she is here. Now, Women in Wood is an online network of women helping them to, you know, succeed in their career goals by collaborating, uh, sharing information, improving their skills, and just generally helping each other navigate the workplace. And it's a really cool and unique thing i think out there and uh it's like i said it only, it's only for women and yeah i wanted to get jessica on to talk about some of the things that have come up while she has been a part of women in wood and some of the you know the major issues that that continue to come up as a trend and and why these things are a problem how are they happening and just to talk about you know equity and diversity in the workplace. And also one of the major things I wanted to talk about was unconscious bias, which is something that everybody has and which is a lot of what is standing in the way of true equity I think nowadays. And so we had a really honest and open conversation I think, I believe about about all those things, right? About how do we accomplish this? How do we move these barriers that exist that many of the people in the workplace don't even know exist how do we recognize those barriers and and move past them together and to try and build a more equitable society right and it was just a really cool conversation and she gave a lot of great examples of of some of the barriers and problems that women are coming up to specifically in the workplace but this applies to any minority group or or anybody that is being discriminated against really and It was just a really cool conversation to be a part of. And I I really appreciated Jessica taking the time to come on and do this. Uh, I learned a bunch. You guys will definitely learn something uh, coming out of this, Um, you know, especially about the unconscious bias stuff. You know, we all have it. Learning what it is and what yours is can really help. You and your team and society succeed, so why not, right? Just you have to be open and honest about it. It was really cool. So, uh, yeah, you guys are going to love this conversation. Jessica's the best. She's so knowledgeable and so humble, and it was just it was just really enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, sponsors for 2021. Wes Fraser is the number one, and without them, I could not do this. They have allowed me to do this the way I want to do it. I just I couldn't thank them enough. So thank you so much, Wes Fraser, and uh, also Greenlink Forestry. Uh, they've been with me since the beginning, and I can't thank them enough either. It's just been so great and so helpful to have them be a part of this. And thank you so much, Greenlink. And finally, Damaged Timber. Damaged Timber is a company here out of Edmonton, Alberta, and they go into the bush, into wildfire burn areas, and cut down wildfire burnt trees. Turn them into stuff you can put in your kitchen. It's awesome. Like really, really cool stuff. Butcher blocks, cutting boards, uh, charcuterie boards, that kind of stuff. You'll love it. Check them out. Damagedimber.com. Put in your forest tenant checkout to get 10% off. So what is your, because Women in Wood is, is something like a side gig for you, right? What is your, your main gig right now?
0: Yeah, so Women in Wood is, is my side gig. Uh, my main gig right now, I work at the Sustainable Forestry Initiative, ah. and I am the vice president of education. Um, so I've been here for about three years. Um, and then I also oversee Project Learning Tree, which is our educational program of both the U.S. and Canada.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where we first met. I didn't, even, I didn't yeah. even remember when you mentioned it. I was like, oh, okay, that's who that was. Yes, yes, yes. I remember when you were doing the, uh, the, the bike tour. And the tour, guy the was biking bikes.
0: across Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that so, was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah was cool. very cool. Actually, you know what? One other thing that we should talk about is how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> so it's Cacnovicious. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad it's I got like that on cats recording. and
0: fishes, yeah. So okay. I just, <laughs> just tell people cats and fishes and usually they remember.
1: <laughs> okay, there we go. I just wanted to make sure I got that on recording so I don't screw it up at the intro. <laughs> it's, it's
0: all right, I'm used to it. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, I've had a few episodes where I've released, I've released intros with people and I realized afterwards that I uh, I said their name wrong. So I try to avoid that now if I can. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> so uh, usually I start off with a question of like motivation and, and why you've gone down, like why forestry and what motivated you to go down that path and why do you keep doing it? You know, like what, uh, what makes it worthwhile to you?
0: Yeah. So I'm probably like many people which grew up not really realizing that forestry was a place that you could actually work or even really knew what it was. So I grew up outside of Toronto, um, like in the suburb outside of Toronto. Um, I grew up with like a, a uh, wooded area behind me, a conservation area, and I spent a lot of time in it. But I never would have considered myself outdoorsy or naturey in any way. Um, I didn't. We didn't go camping when I was a kid because uh, we had a cottage, or a cabin, um, not even a cabin, really, just a cottage. And so, I wasn't really an outdoors person, or I didn't see myself as that. Um, I went to school to be a vet. Um, I started, I went to U of T with the intention of moving to University of Guelph after um, I got my undergrad. And when I was at U of T, I was looking at expanding my course load and not just focusing on like uh, biology and zoology, uh, but looking for an opportunity to kind of broaden just so I can enjoy my schooling. And so I saw forestry in the course book and literally was like, Oh, that sounds all right. I'll just sign up and take a few courses. And so um it was in my second year that I started taking some courses and um I had Andy Kenny as a professor and he is a well-known urban forest guy, but he was just so such a good prof and it was so interesting to learn from him what forestry was and the importance of it in Canada. And so I was like, well, this is kind of cool. I wouldn't keep taking courses in this. Um, why not? I would need to broaden my course load. And so I remember in his course, someone came or he was talking about tree planting. I don't even know how it started. And I was like, oh, I need a summer gig. I'll just go tree planting, make some money. Yeah. Not, re- not really realizing <laughs> kind of what I was signing up for. Right. Um, so I went tree planting, um, in Northern Ontario. And it was funny cause I'd never camped before, like really, really oh, camped. No. Yeah. Oh, so no. I, sh- I showed up with like a tent and like all my gear and was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, And it's like still at the end of or beginning of May. And so it was kind of wintry. So I was so not prepared for that but anyway so I, I planted for a summer and i made it <laughs> and, and yeah. then um while i was doing it i was like this is kind of interesting like why are we doing this and that's one thing actually i've always found interesting about the tree planting camps you don't really learn why you're just kind of told okay here's your here's your trees here's your plot of land get it done um yeah. and so i walked away going like why like what are we doing this for and like what's the point of the checkers and like you know what like really what is the ultimate goal for this so kind of and like embodied those thoughts into my my courses and my um, my second, third, and and getting going into my fourth year, um, and then I went back to plant for a second year. Um, it wasn't as fun as the first year. I made it again, but it was not. It was. It wasn't as good as the first year and the crew that I was with. So, um, it was what it was. Um, and so it just kind of expedited me my interest in forestry. And honestly, like what what really was interesting for me was the opportunities that kept coming up in forestry and so at uft we had um an opportunity to apply for this program called transfor and it was a program where you could go across europe to four different countries to learn about sustainable forest management and then right. they had a second program that was um going across canada to different provinces to learn about sustainable forest management so i applied for it while i was at tree planting in my second year And I got accepted. And so I finished tree planting, came home, packed my bags, and went to Europe for, I think it was three weeks. Um, And so we traveled, like, we traveled um, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and Germany. Um, And it was, I'm sorry, not Sweden, Denmark, Wales, Germany, and Finland. And it was really cool, like it was just like this me and nine other people from different universities across Canada learning about forestry in europe um and then I yeah, was the totally only
1: different world right totally like, different... compared to north America I mean
0: um so then I came back to Canada for the Canadian program, um, so um I was the only Canadian accepted and so um I was with a bunch of Europeans, and so the intention was to transf- transfer people from Canada to Europe from Europe to Canada to learn about different practices. Um, And so I went across Canada to BC, Alberta, Ontario, and New Brunswick um, to learn about forestry operations. And all of this was covered for by a grant from the government of Canada, I think I had to pay a few hundred bucks for each one. And I was like, again, it was just like one of those things where it was like a cool opportunity I wasn't really yeah. looking for it, but hey, I'll take it and it's just things like that kind of kept coming up, like whether it was like going to a conference for free or doing this um or getting like a job with another forestry person. It happened more frequently than my other degree, which was in zoology it was it was a bigger bigger class, lots of people you kind of were one of many, and in forestry, it was like you were one of few, and so it the opportunities were were more there. Um, right. so Absolutely. so yeah so it just kind of like kept me going kept me going and so um, I would then travel after my undergrad I went to Australia and Asia for six months and then I came back and did my master's of forest conservation and again cool opportunity got to go to Haida Gwaii for the summer to work um, for the government and um, just do an internship there and um, Again, a cool opportunity <laughs> kind of came up. And yeah. so I took it. And then <laughs> after that, I just started volunteering at, um, at Forest Ontario, which is a nonprofit in Ontario that focuses on tree planting and education and spent nine years there and then came to SFI. So, um, yeah, it wasn't my intention to end up in forestry, but it kind of <laughs> just ended up being that way because the opportunities were there. It was really cool. You asked at the beginning, like, what keeps me here? Honestly, it's probably the people. Um, working at Forest Ontario was so humbling because I got to interact with a lot of people that work on the ground, um, whether it's with youth or whether it's in the bush operating or whether it's managing or whether it's tree marking, like they're just like people that love what they do and they are so humble and all they want to do is do good because they want to make sure that the forests are healthy and they're there for future generations. And it's just like this, like I I fed off that energy and I was just like, I love what these, like they're so, they love what they do so much and like, you want to love what you do. And so that's kind of what's kept me here is just being able to interact with those people that really love their job and do their job because they really believe in what they do.
1: Yeah, the passion part is a big thing, right? That's awesome. That's a really cool story. I like that. Mm-hmm. Just the, the the it's not often I get that answer, right? Where it's the people and the and the the passion that keeps you in there. That's cool. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. So so leading into the the the, the main reason that we're here talking today, right? The the whole idea of of, of uh, you know equity and diversity in the workplace. Um, what was was there a single event or was there some kind of thing in your career journey? Uh, that highlighted when you first recognized that something like your your gender might play a role in the the opportunities or or that sort of thing. And how did that lead into the creation of Woman in Wood?
0: Yeah, so um, in my schooling, it was interesting because I was like, I remember my undergrad, there was like four of us in our final program and we were all women. So I never saw my gender as something that was – an issue in forestry because of the classes I was a part of the people I was with. It was when I started working in like at, at Forest Ontario and I would go to events and I would go and I'd be like, Whoa, <laughs>
1: <Right>. something doesn't
0: <laughs> belong here. And it's definitely <laughs> me. <laughs> and and then that's when I remember I looked across the room and saw someone else like me and it was a young woman and, and I was like, Oh, we should talk. <laughs> and so <laughs> her and I started chatting and that's Lacey Rose. and, we oh, just wow. kind of connected because we were one of the few people in the room that, that were young and, and looking to broaden their careers and make those connections. And we didn't really know anybody. And so we, we just started hanging out and chatting and we'd hang out with the guys like at the conferences and they would joke about being part of the boys club. And we oh would say, God. you know, we should start <laughs> our own girls club, right? Like we're yeah. like, let's start our own like girls club. And so we just decided to like start something online this facebook group um i was like oh i should get a logo done by my buddy and so i was like hey like, can you create a logo that like shows empowerment of women in this sector and he came Rock up with this logo by the yeah, way yeah he, he came up with this amazing logo and i was like awesome um thinking like we would put it on like a couple t-shirts it'd be funny right and so um we started this facebook group and then um, now there's like over twenty three hundred women from around the world in this Facebook group um and honestly, we thought it would be like thirty people that we maybe knew and so yeah. it's, it's interesting what it's grown into and I think it what's really interesting is it came at a time when people really needed it but didn't know they needed it and so this is well before like some of the other initiatives that are out there and it was one of the first ones that really focused on bringing women together in like a safe space to have conversations around the challenges they're facing or even just like you know look for ideas on on gear look for um ideas on who how to find a job type of thing like it was really just created to to just be this grassroots network and um because it was one of the first ones i think that's why it's so um recognized as being important because it just has this like really grassroots feel like it's not an organization. We're not owned by anybody. Nobody dictates what happens with it, but it naturally has turned into this like amazing community of women that help each other. And, you know, there's like we've sold thousands of T-shirts across the world. And it's like, you know, when you show up at an event and another woman is wearing a shirt with the logo, you kind of drawn to each other, at least start the conversation. And I think um, it's been interesting when Lacey and I go to events now and like you see these young women in the audience wearing a shirt and they're looking at you being like, hey, hey. And I remember <laughs> being there and being like, oh, there's another old white guy presenting at the <laughs> conference, right? Like it was tough. So, yeah, um, So yeah, it was just it was it, it ignited out of a need to bring women together and it's taken on a life of its own. And we're grateful for that.
1: Yeah. Oh no, it's 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 really cool to see. And uh I, I think the name helps too. You get a catchy name that helps yeah, with the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A <laughs> cool eggs. logo,
0: yeah, cool logo, fun name. Like we really wanted it to be fun. We didn't want it to be corporate. We wanted it to be like, you know, you, you want to be part of this club because hey, it's super cool, right? Like that was really our intention. And so um yeah, it's 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 really been interesting to see it grow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as as it started to grow and as you started to uh, like what kind of discussions I don't I don't want to like like oust whatever you guys are like yeah. whatever kind of is going on there right but i just mean to maybe try and shed some light on some of the common issues some of the common problems that uh you know some people aren't aware of or are unaware of the you know the barriers that mm-hmm. are unintentionally being created um yeah, can you shed some light on some of the like the more common things that are coming up? And yeah, to, so yeah.
0: so our Facebook community of over twenty three hundred, it's it's um it's only open to women. And yeah. uh, we've been very I accidentally
1: tried to join actually Yeah, and we we
0: declined. <laughs> Sorry. Um no, no, so, I,
1: I I think I did it as the your force podcast. Like, oh, like oh maybe I can get some insight. And then yeah. but as I did it, I was like, I think no. <laughs> yeah. Well, All we fair. get a All lot good. of
0: people. We get organizations that we get men trying to join. And we do a bit of a screening because like we want, uh, I think the advantage has been it does provide that safe space where women can ask those questions that they might not be able to ask if they're a men part of the group. And we've been we've been challenged about, well, don't you want men to see the conversations? Yes. But I don't think they would happen if it was right. open. Um, so um, some of the basic conversations that happen, like some of the ones where you're like, like, it seems pretty simple is around gear. So, like, I'm, I'm taller, I don't have an issue with this, but, like, Lacey is, like, th- tiny, and there's lots of women that just don't fit into the right gear, or they mm-hmm. don't make gear, or they're getting, I would say, the, the, the sector is getting a lot better, or people that provide gear to the sector um, are getting better at understanding that women need different needs. So, whether it's, like, wider hips, or different lengths, or the right size shoe, like, safety is a big problem like big issue. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to this young woman who had just entered a Bora culture, very petite, and she couldn't find anything that fit her. And she was mm-hmm. like, I literally don't feel safe showing up at my job because my gear doesn't fit. And she's like, I just don't know where to go to get the right gear. And so there's a lot of people that have, have that issue. And there's, constantly conversation but like where do i get the right boots where do i get the right pants where do i get the right you know cruising vest that fits me and so it's something as simple as that and i know like for some people it's like oh whatever like your shoe doesn't fit but it's like it's this confidence thing right you want to show up to your first job you want to show up to your job being like the last thing i want to worry about is if my shoe doesn't fit like that's like that's like the thing that i shouldn't (laughs) have to worry about it's like can i get my job done can i get you know i want to be confident and so it's um that's one of the basic conversations that is continually happening. Um, another one that's been really interesting is around um wage gaps, and so, you know, I think that there there's this un- some people don't understand how women and and men perceive job postings or perceive negotiating for themselves, um, and so. There's been studies that show when a man looks at a job posting, um, they can see 50% that they're qualified for and they apply for it. When a woman looks at a job posting, she'll she'll want to see 100% connection or a very high like higher than a man's percentage that she she need that she's qualified for the position and then she'll apply for it. And so it's getting over that hurdle of like, you know, when we put job descriptions out there, we're looking for the this is our ideal candidate, but in no way do we expect Sometimes for people to fit into every single thing that you put on there, you're just looking for some high level things. Well, sometimes women can't overcome that barrier of like, even putting themselves out there. So the application process is one part. Then when you actually get the job or offered the job, um, there's, I mean, it's not even just in the poor sector across any sector. Women don't negotiate for what they deserve. Um, Men will always ask for more. Women will kind of settle on lower salaries. And so the conversations in the group, there's been a couple where, um, you know, someone's looking to negotiate with their boss on a raise. And because of the confidence that they or with questions or the feedback that they got from asking that question in the in the group, they actually ended up getting like 17% more than they originally thought they were going to get just because they were like, I'm going to go for it. Like, I right. didn't think I should, but I'm going to go for it. And then when they did, it was like, wow, that actually worked. And it's like, well, of course, <laughs> like, that's how it works. But you can only like advocate for yourself, you can only be your own cheerleader. So if you're not asking, you're not going to get it. Mm. But it's just funny. Like it's, it's how something as simple as asking for something is a kind of gendered issue. Um, so there's conversations like that. There's also issue like conversations around sexual harassment and how to deal with like a challenging boss or a challenging workplace. And just the, the feedback that women will give on like how they've approached the challenge or how they might approach the solution. Um, There's just those like in-depth conversations around what people have done. And I think it's that honest, like, here's what I've done that I think people really benefit from the group is hearing from other people's stories. And if it wasn't for the group, I don't know how people would get that information. Like you might have a one-off conversation with one person here or there. And if they didn't have the same experience as you, you might not. Walk away with like the same knowledge or next steps, but because this is like two thousand women that could potentially like provide feedback onto your challenge, you'll get a diverse set of perspectives mm-hmm. and a diverse set of approaches that I think and like empowers you to come to to a challenge with like here's a here's my like toolbox of um tools that I can use in this Situation, and here's all these things I've learned from people, and I'm going to apply this moving forward. And so,
1: right, it's so a huge
0: empowerment um, community that I think has been more than what Lacey and I expected from it, um, and what we're humbled by constantly. Like, um, when we first started the group, it was her and I posting once or twice a week and now it's like we don't even have to do anything and every day there's multiple conversations happening um and there's also like even just really fun stuff like someone will find a funny graphic and put it in there a a cool article and share it in there um and then sorry the one last thing that is really powerful in the community is the amount of job postings that are shared like i remember when i was graduating and i was like where am i gonna work like where do i even start and like there's some job posting her job boards out there for the sector but um, again, like being able to hear from another woman, like, hey, this job might be right for you. And to get all the like tons of job postings every month. And the diversity of them is just like, wow, like, I hope that more women are entering the sector just because they're actually being fed these amazing opportunities. And they can reach the person that posted and be like, tell me about the the organization you work for. Like, how, what is it like? Like, how do I make sure that I could potentially be successful in this position? And you can have that conversation.
1: It's it's exciting to hear that you that you've had so much success in creating that you know that community where where women can can feel empowered and and get some answers that they're otherwise you know wouldn't be able to get right because I think you're, it, it seems like that's that's true that there's 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 issues for women in just the workplace in general that like men have no idea even exist yeah right so it's like where who do you who do you ask and if the majority of your 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 leaders or whatever are, are men. Then like, yeah, how do you how do you go about that? So it's a really cool idea and I love it. And I'm glad it's out there and I'm glad that you're seeing so much engagement. It's it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. So but like some of the stuff that you were discussing that you were talking about as major issues, like it's it's interesting that so much of it is is on a societal level, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's not even like you're talking about confidence and 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 that sort of thing. And yeah, like it's not like the The forest industry or or the workplace is necessarily like stifling confidence but like the society that you have grown up in hasn't allowed for you to have the same confidence as a male counterpart and i think those types of like i think that difference is almost where some of the 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 problem is that the the misunderstanding is i guess right yeah
0: but i will say too like the sector still totally impacts confidence like if you're not creating an inclusive Environment from a woman to enter sure. um it's gonna drive people, and that's what like some research is showing like well, like like I said, when I graduated from both my undergrad and my masters there was Many women in my program, and so I never saw it as a challenge, but the challenge has been women staying in forestry or women staying mm-hmm. in the sector, and that often relates to the inclusivity of the environment or the the um you know the the way that the in sector works and whether it supports them and their life goals and I think that that is something that Um, this is, again, it might not be a sector specific thing, but the sector definitely needs to catch up on how it supports women. And like one of the, one of the basic things that I always think about is, um, if you're a male manager, if you're a male in, in a leadership position, even if you're a female in a leadership position, I have to be very mindful of this when I'm leading my own team. Are you providing equitable opportunities for your team? And so whether it's, um, training, whether it's advancement, whether it's, you know, providing feedback, are you providing the same feedback? Or do you provide different feedback, and different opportunities because of their gender without even realizing it. And so um it's one of those, like, it's a very simple thing to think about, but it is it has huge implications on on the trajectory of women's career paths. If you're not providing those same growth opportunities, then they're never going to grow into leadership positions. And so um as simple as like a training course or as simple as having a conversation around like I remember watching this really interesting TED talk a couple of years ago and I took it and, and internalized this knowledge. But for me, um the the TED talk was talking about women and and how to be successful in your career. And they were saying, you know, one of the things that um women are taught as they grow into their careers is to focus on their soft skills. How do I communicate? How do I network? How do I find a mentor? And those skills are are extremely important but where the difference was was the men were being taught how do I run a business how do I look at the financials how do I make sure that this is a sustainable um, company or organization. And just even that basic thing will lead to different growth in different people. Like you can mentor as long as you want, but if you don't know the business side of an organization, you might not r- raise into that senior leadership role. And so I remember when I heard that TED talk, I internalized that and said, I got to start learning how to read financials. I got to start right. learning like what it means to run through a GL and PL and then just be like, you know, like understand that that really basic thing, because it's, it's huge for my growth. And that's, I think what has led to a part of my success is being able to talk numbers in a big conversation. And that adds a level of credibility. And um, sometimes women aren't given that opportunity to learn that.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean. Like I, it's, it, it there's, it seems like for me as a, as a, as a male who's not like, I'm not, I don't see these issues, right. They're completely mm-hmm. blind to me, but I would, I want to be, part of the solution, right? I want to be inclusive and I want to try and 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 promote equity in whatever way I can. But so like like for 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 both men and women, what like what advice do you have for people to like how do we start to suss out these issues that exist? Like how do you in a, in a workplace, let's say, um say you're an employee and and you want to start a more intense equity campaign kind of in and and understanding campaign in within your workplace how do you go about starting that
0: yeah and i would say like i'm not i probably don't have all the answers but i think one of the basic things is sometimes to actually like step back and be a bit more humble and realizing that you might not know everything and you might not realize that you have some of these unconscious biases and that you know you don't just because you're a male doesn't mean that by having women in the workplace you understand what it's like to be a woman and so it's actually asking people more of what do they need and getting feedback from your employees to be like how can we make this more inclusive for you whether it's to advance your career or retain you in the in the workforce sometimes i think it's actually just asking that information and i remember so i just came back from mat leave and um one of the things that um that I read while I was off mat leave was, you know, transitioning back into the workplace place after mat leave. And it's not about like, here's your, here's your plan. It's actually talking to the, the, the mother who's coming back to the workplace being like, how can we support you? Like, what does it look like for this to be an important and inclusive environment for you as a new person or as a new mom or as a new dad coming back? Like actually having those conversations on an individual Basis is really important because one solution isn't going to work for everybody necessarily, but it's, you know, it's, it's identifying that putting that into your corporate culture, um, and then being humble and saying, we don't necessarily know everything. Let's bring in the people that do let's, you know, if we're going to tackle this issue, a, let's include that we're, let's ensure that we're including the people, whether it's women, whether it's indigenous, whether it's, um, Black people, like let's make sure that they're part of those conversations when you're trying to develop your d e i and your diversity in your organization because you like my colleague, oh, and I really love this saying he's like you know you can't you can't do it for us without us, and I think that that's really important for any anything related to d e i
1: mhm yeah, yeah, no, absolutely that, that that makes sense, like so it's just literally just asking what do you need. Yeah, it just, or it's just,
0: asking what are what are the challenges, or why why do you think uh, that you might be facing barriers, or what are the barriers that you're facing? Like mm-hmm. my situation might not be the same as another new mom entering back in after mat leave, right? But like if yes. I'm asked and saying like how do we be supportive of you, like what do you need, I think that that goes a long way to retaining people in the workplace to feel like they're they're they matter, and what works for them matters to the organization.
1: Right. So I'm not sure, like how much resistance do you see or do you imagine, like maybe even just through women in wood, right? How much resistance to these types of ideas is there in the workplace? Because I think, I mean, like everybody wants to be, well, I would assume, I don't know, Lots. Of, most people want to be inclusive. They want to be part of the solution. They want to be helpful. Um but then when they're faced with something like this like i mean how much susceptibility is there to these ideas of having a, a leader like a, a you know a ceo or whatever actually be susceptible or, um not susceptible to be
0: Like open to it.
1: Open, yeah. Yeah. Open to these conversations because having this honest conversation is a lot of times in business is not really happening. Everything's supposed to be professional and and corporate and you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and I think
0: that we're at a point where it's like, it's no longer like you can just have like a checkbox and you've you've checked the box. I think we're at a point in like- (laughs) That's a major problem, yeah. Yeah, and I think we're at a point in society where it's like, are are you being honest with how you're doing things or are you just like, just doing it to do it and i think we're we're at a turning point where you can't you can't ignore it. a you can't ignore that diversity in in the sector is important there's no longer like you can't be that organization that's like no we don't have a di policy no we're not doing things to support diversity like you're going to be left behind like a consumers are not going to support you suppliers are not going to work with you you're not going to be seen as a good company and so people are realizing, like, we have to do something. And like, what does that something look like? And so I think leadership and good leaders will recognize that it has to be something that's meaningful and engaging. And so I'm hopeful that it's no longer just going to be a nice to have. It's like a requirement. And, you know, people are getting also, like, I always say this to young people when they're um, when they're like applying for a position, and they're so worried. And actually, I was just having this conversation with my partner a couple weeks ago when he was doing a job interview. And I said to him, like, you know, as much as like you are looking for a job, you also have to like think about the company you want to work for. And like, are they reflective of your values? So, so go look at like, who they are, ask them about who they are, and how like, what kind of environment they provide, because you're just you're, you're selecting them just as much as they're selecting you. And so I think that that's really important for organizations to think about corporations to think about is that it's no longer a one-sided transaction and or people are going to leave or people are not going to join your organization if you're not doing something to support an inclusive environment
1: absolutely no you're totally right like i know i i i feel like kind of our generation is one of the first generations that's been like with the internet and all that kind of stuff we've been able to recognize that that more fulfillment value in in the workplace and how we want to do something that is important to us and that we feel matters and that you want to, yeah, you want your workplace to be an inclusive environment and supportive and all those types of things. And yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of that old old school mentality that some employers have of just, you should be thankful to have a job.
0: Yeah. And and, like, let's, be honest, like social media could ruin you as an organization if you're not doing something. And so it's something as simple as a bad experience from an employee could ruin you. And so you have to kind of already be thinking like, well, I don't want to do this to avoid that. I want to do this to make sure that I'm a good organization that people would be proud of. Like I'd want someone to post how proud they are to work of, uh, at, at where I work because we did create an inclusive and a welcoming environment. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can, again. It's not something you can ignore anymore.
1: No, and even from a, a business standpoint, like a strictly like financial business standpoint, the the research is is just insane out there right now. Saying that, like yeah. more inclusive places, more diverse places do better. Period. Yeah. Like it's not you can't argue against that anymore. It's like there's there's you know there's the old argument of oh we only hire we only hire the best candidate, and it's just that in, in and of itself is offensive to. You know what I mean to to non to the minorities, right, or to mm-hmm. women, and so it's because it just kind of assumes like, well, you're not going to be the best candidate. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's it's interesting that yeah, now you can't argue it anymore, right? Like no. diversity is a must for for all reasons. Oh, so there goes my dog. Yeah. Of course. Always. And like it was
0: so we did a, we did had an event a couple of weeks ago for my work uh, online and we had someone um, attend who, who was deaf. And um so we had closed captioning and all that stuff. But it was interesting because we were talking about job postings and she was like, you know, I get intimidated when I look at a job posting and it says like excellent verbal communication. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that. I didn't even think that a word like verbal in a job posting could be so intimidating for somebody and right. so sometimes you have to think of like how are you reflecting yourself as an organization and asking people to apply to something if you're almost creating this unintended barrier or this like bias that you're, you're again you don't realize like unconscious bias of like developing a job description but having to look at that and say like are the words inclusive are we being restrictive and who could apply like those types of things i think are um, are becoming more um, aware for employers when they're looking to hire or advance people is the opportunities you're providing and what limits what limitations it could have on your how you advance people or who you're hiring.
1: Right, absolutely. One of the next things I wanted to ask you was 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 actually discussing like it seems like the problem um, could be solved with people understanding their unconscious bias and 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 making it personal, right? Like so having having you know the having men under, start to understand these issues and to make it personal to them and not just something that they conceptually understand. So how how do we how do we start to bridge that gap, do you think?
0: Yeah, and I would say like I know that we talk a lot about like men understanding, but I do think that there's also like w- women that need to understand whether they have it. And so um you know, I've run into situations before where I have to stop myself and think like how am I am I giving equitable advice and opportunities to my employees regardless of their gender or regardless mm. of their background or regardless of their ethnicity and i think sometimes you just have to think about that um and so i, I don't want to focus necessarily on just making it a man issue but more around sure. how do we how do we be more reflective in society to to think about things and i think unconscious bias is a big one and it doesn't you know, it can be very uncomfortable for you to explore your unconscious bias or for you to think about these things that you don't necessarily even realize are in your background because of your history, um, or because of the things that you've been taught or because of the knowledge. Like, I come from an Eastern European family. Um, I'm like one and a half generations in Canada and, you know, sometimes having conversations with them can be difficult around, Um, diversity because they they see it differently and they grew up differently and for me it's like i i think it's recognizing and and being um i guess humbled again is one of those things like you're not you're not fully knowledgeable at any point and you might not um it's it's a growth and it's 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 an opportunity for you to learn and continue learning and you're never you never stop learning about the different challenges that people face Mm -hmm. and i think society um is showing us that. Like just constantly there's different issues in the media and then you have to think about it and be like, well, how have I interacted with that audience before? Or what are some of the assumptions I've had about that audience before? What are some of the mm-hmm. things I may have said in the past that I wasn't necessarily thinking was an issue then. And now it's like, you know what, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. Or like, you know, as, as anybody as a leader in an organization, just being very humbled and reflective of who you are and and being open to the fact that you're not perfect, I think is very tough for some people. It can be tougher for people that are later in their careers or people that are in really high leadership positions or, um, you know, people that are, that have made it this far in their career because they haven't had to worry about it and now they do. And so, um, I think it's just being honest with yourself and being open with yourself is, is extremely important.
1: And so integrating
0: that into your culture too, like into your organization saying like, like being like, I'm still learning. I hope that you will learn with me and let's, Mm. let's learn about this together. Let's talk about gender in the workplace. Let's talk about diversity in the workplace, let's support indigenous people in this country. What does that look like? And being that leader from above, I think is really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like the leadership is crucial. And I read an article a little while back, um, by i think it was harvard business bureau called lean uh lean into the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. have you seen that
0: no but i've heard about like various versions of that like you think about like your your comfort zone and the only way you ever learn is if you get outside your comfort zone
1: yeah. And it was, it was talking a lot about leaders that are, that, that are afraid to open up and be honest. They're afraid to say something wrong and then be, be seen as the bad guy or whatever. And I think what you're saying is, is great because you're, you're saying like, hey, I think everyone recognizes that no one's perfect and there's room to grow. And so the leaders, like nothing's going to change unless the leaders in the organization are, are going to take the first steps and be vulnerable and try to open up.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, as a leader, I have to show that to my employees. And so sometimes if it's like, if I don't know how to say something, or I don't know how to address something, I'll be like, sorry, I'm not knowledgeable in this, please educate me as I talk about this. And like, am I saying in this right in the right way? Would you have any recommendations on how I might approach this topic? It's being honest with that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's been interesting for me over my career to interact with like younger people in the workplace. And there's sometimes there's this I know everything attitude and I have nothing to learn. And I think if I could give <laughs> a one piece of advice to someone who's younger is you are never not learning and don't ever think that you've got all the knowledge. And so whether it's young or old, like I think we all have to be like accepting of the fact that things change and we have to adapt and we have to learn to keep up with the change. And so... It happens in, in the diversity place. That happens in a lot of places in the work.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's just it's just interesting that you get this comes this came up quite a bit in the last few podcasts that I've done. Is that idea that, you know, the a good leader knows everything and has all the answers. And that's not what a leader is supposed to be, right? A leader is supposed to be somebody that just can help the collaboration move forward and, and get past problems, not necessarily have the answers. And I think that's where, um, I think that's where the idea of leadership is changing.
0: Yeah. Like the idea that leader, a good leader is someone who actually lets other people draw on their, their successes and their knowledge and bring that forward. And, you know, a good leader brings that out of somebody.
1: Yeah, exactly. A good leader allows that person to grow Mm -hmm. and 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 improve, and doesn't stifle it because of out of fear or whatever, out of of perception of of ego that they might have or something like that, right? And Mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's been it's been a common theme in this this kind of year of podcasts. Just people need to kind of check your egos and just it's it's okay to be wrong sometimes. It's okay to be vulnerable, and I think it's it's crucial to just the success of everybody really.
0: Yeah. And I would say it's been interesting for me to identify like my leadership style over Mm -hmm. the past little bit. And like, I'm not into one of those people that understands like the titles of different leaders. Like I've had some interviews with people where they're like, I'm a servant leader. I don't know if that's what I am. But what I would (laughs) say is like, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty relaxed leader that hopes that I can elevate the people on my team versus me being always the one that's coming up with the ideas or speaking. Like, I think that's the benefit I brought. And I think that, um, that helps with, with supporting women in the workplace or supporting anybody in the workplace is giving them a voice. And, you know, when we think about, I remember, so here's a kind of a tip for, for people in the workplace to support more, more women, like something as basic as we used to, like, I remember going to meetings and, I might be the only woman in the room. And it was like, oh, who's going to take minutes? And they would all look at you and you're like, I guess I'm taking minutes. And a simple thing like that, like you don't realize that usually it's the woman that puts up her hand or is asked to do something or like your mm. Christmas party. Are you always going to the woman to, to organize the Christmas party? Because like that's the role that you've assumed that they have. And right. like it sometimes is very simple things like that or not allowing them to speak. So I've been like – I've been to many boardroom tables or many meetings with, you know, high level senior people where they took up a lot of space and you didn't have that space or that opportunity to speak. And it was like mm-hmm. one or two people in that room would recognize like, she just needs a, like an opportunity. And like, they would be like, Hey Jess, do you have something? i like, yeah, but it's like, it would, when you're young in your career and you're like, I just, I'm nervous about speaking up or like, there's this person that's speaking again for the next time. Like, how do I take up that space? It's having that honest conversation, like with someone and saying, can you help me? Can you help me find room? Or as a person, as a leader, you recognize like this person just needs an open space to talk and, Mm -hmm. and providing that space can be really important.
1: Right. Not everybody is is so confident that they'll just jump in front of a group of people and start saying what they think, right? They need to be given opportunity. It makes sense. Yeah. And that was something I
0: recognized a lot in the sector when I was early in my early in my career was like it was tough to be one of the only women in the room and have a voice. And it was mm-hmm. like some people in the room just helped me find that voice and, and gave me that confidence to speak
1: up more and more. So just being more, like people should be more empathetic and more more thoughtful of the other people in the room, and 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 notice when maybe they're being quiet or, or that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and also like I recognize that like that might have worked for me. This goes back to like that understanding how people communicate. I think we're all kind of aware, like everyone communicates differently now. Some people are more um, introverts who don't necessarily speak up in a group. So understanding who, how your employees function the best or how they communicate the best and being able to elevate that so maybe it's not in a meeting maybe it's after saying hey like sending a note around being like hey if you weren't able to provide feedback let me know because they're more comfortable in writing or a one-off conversation right like it's understanding how like who your employees are how they operate and being able to elevate that to get the best out of them
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's something that's interesting like I know uh, my understanding of like of like first nations culture in a lot of places is also that like they don't interrupt
0: mm-hmm. a lot of times,
1: right? Like they, they wait their turn and they speak their thing. And if you don't give them an opportunity to speak, they're not going to do that because it's seen as rude. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and just because they didn't speak up, doesn't mean they didn't have ideas or thoughts. It means they're taking their time to think about it and to come up with something meaningful. And yeah, the only way you're going to get that answer out of them is, 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 is by giving them the opportunity. Or like you said, afterwards, some introverts, I don't mean, know like don't, want to do that. They're never going to speak up, but they have ideas that can be helpful, right? So mm-hmm. there, there was something else I wanted to get to. You You mentioned the thing about um, kind of being given the the traditional role of like taking notes or planning the party or whatever. And yeah, I did, I did some earlier episodes um, when I first started doing the podcast, trying to Uh, do like the you know women in in forestry kind of thing and I the the, my guests did a great job I did a piss poor job of navigating it and trying to understand I think I've found my voice a little better and a little more confident but and one of the things that I've, I've been speaking to more people afterwards is that they've been given like like jobs like uh They'll have the same. There'll be four other people in the room, <clears throat> all men. They'll all have the same job position, all the, the same seniority, all that kind of stuff. But the woman will always be given the hey, can you like book me a hotel, mm-hmm. or can you do, like do this, like all the the clerk stuff, right? And and, but they they never going to point it out because if they do, they're going to seen as not a team player or something like that. And then the, the other thing that came up was also there's people there's the challenges that I've I've been understanding with women in the workplace is that you're like, you're saying they don't speak up so they have to be more aggressive. And then when when they go too much, then they're seen as too aggressive and it's like, there's no, there's no winning situation there. Right. And so it's, it's a problem that men don't really have to deal with, but it's, it's something that like, like women are almost forced to like thread the needle in that situation. Like you have to be perfect. Otherwise you're going to be like, you know, called something or whatever
0: yeah and like so i don't know if you saw that um that campaign that came out of tolco last year that was focused on like or it was Tolko and Ecom, I think um, around like the words that describe women versus men. And like, I'm trying to find it right now. I can't find it, but it's like when, when a woman is described as aggressive or assertive, a man is described as like a leader. Like there's like yeah. different ways, even though the, the, the way that they're, they're displaying themselves are the same, the way that they're described to others is different. And it was interesting. Um, like
1: i just did that yeah
0: (laughs) and it's again but that's unconscious right like that's one of those things where like and then sometimes and i do it all the time too where i I use a word Mm. and i'm like oh that was probably not the right word and i think part of like learning is being able to recognize that and be like oh yeah maybe i should think about that next time and you're not going to be perfect you're not going to be able to you do everything perfectly but in in order to like at least recognize like hey whoops i made that slip how do i make sure that i can think about that in the future and Mm. do things differently i think that's where um That's, that's where I think women just want this, the sector to, to think about like, how do I, what can, what can we do to support more women? And the fact that we're even having the conversation, I think is part of it. Um, And I think women are, are, are feeling more proud and, and more encouraged because the conversation is at least happening now. And like Mm -hmm. I I run into a lot of women who have been in the sector for decades and they say, some of them say, we've been having these conversations for decades and we're still here. And some of them say, thank God that's getting to this point where it's like, it's no longer that it's just me and someone else. It's a lot of people that are raising their voices. And so I think that there's a lot of promise for more women staying in the sector and feeling empowered to grow into leadership positions.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that was something where I failed In last time I did this type of a podcast was I said, oh yeah, like there's been a lot of progress. We're doing good. Um, And I think I did say like, oh, there's still work to do, but I think I minimized it a little bit out of the fear of like backlash from industry or something like that, right? Like I wanted to be, because I was supported by industry, right? Or still am. Um, But I've since realized that no, they they want to be part of the solution as well. And that, so trying to have this conversation honestly and honest with myself, and and just trying to yeah like just trying to check that unconscious bias and that, is there is there like resources you can push people towards like if someone wanted to to maybe incorporate like an unconscious bias training into their workplace or uh is there like uh like There's- a list of questions that you, that you think are good for 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 leaders to ask their employees um that 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 aren't going to it's not just like hey how do we move the needle on diversity kind of like actual real questions right
0: yeah and i think that um i think that there's resources out there like i have mm-hmm. found a really quality training resource I would say there's different quizzes you can take to figure out if you have unconscious bias like we did some diversity training at our organization a couple summers ago and there's some like very uncomfortable situations that you have to put yourself in to actually for you to recognize that you might have an unconscious bias so it's whether it's showing images or saying words and how do you respond to those it's interesting to go through Uh... that process um, because you don't realize how you might be associating certain people with certain characteristics until you go through that process and so that internal kind of DEI training is really valuable. And so I would just encourage people to find something locally that might work or like reach out to other people in the sector, other people in your communities to say like, what has been successful for you? Cause I have not yet to find one that's been like the golden star, but I will say that there's programs out there and and there's online things you can do, but it doesn't mean anything if not everyone's doing it. And so I think there's even, yeah, we did like an online quiz or like a survey before our our um our actual DEI training. And it kind of outputted like, here's who you are and here's where your biases are, or here's who how <laughs> like um it's interesting to like get a reflection of yourself and you're like, okay, well, at least I'm good at that. And you're like, oh, I kind of missed that one.
1: I wonder how many people rejected that outright and just like, no, no, that's not me. That's the way it was worded and that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I think, again, it comes back to like being humble. If you get like a bad report, it's not like, well, I'm going to do the quiz again to see if I did better. It's like, oh, okay, woo, I might not be realizing that I'm a little bit, you know, I'm I'm gapping in some of these these areas where I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah, just like I, I would just encourage anybody to make it part of your culture to be to integrate it into the work you do. But as a leader, just like recognize that, like y- you you kind of have to reflect what you want from an organization.
1: Yeah, you're the leader, right? Yeah. No one's going to do anything without your lead. Yeah, like you are the leader. Without without you doing it, no one's going to do it, and no one's going to. Yeah. It's very unlikely that somebody somebody uh, like one of your employees is going to take up the lead on that because they don't know that you're going to support it. Right. And they have to put themselves out there just to, just to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you might. And so, and, and and I think it's important to point out that nobody doesn't have unconscious bias. Like that's, yeah, everybody has that period and we always will. That's why will, it's
0: unconscious, but... right? Like you don't <laughs> know it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it probably changes with time, but, yeah. uh, but it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting that as time goes on, it, it I've realized in my own personal life kind of that it's like being humble means more than just, you know, just, just taking things in stride. It means actually reflecting on what you think and why you think it and and being honest with yourself and being willing to take criticism and not getting, you know, offense or offended and, and heated in a conversation, just being able to, like, I feel like to me, the most delicate people are the people that, can't take criticism, right? You can't take yeah. someone saying that, oh, well, I think you're wrong and they just lose it and they can't handle it, right? And there's, there's a lot of leaders like that out there that just, you know, quote unquote leaders, they're not real leaders, they're just bosses or whatever. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important to point out that everyone going into like unconscious bias training or diversity training, um, you're going to learn some stuff about yourself that you're not going to like and you have to be ready for that and willing to accept it as truth and and reflect on it and see what you can do to, to change that.
0: Yeah, and I think that some people run into the challenge, like you said, like they're not gonna like what they see, or they might like you might have people in your workplace that are just like, "This is dumb. I can't believe we're doing this. I'm fine," right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important to reflect on too. If you have people like that, you need to like communicate to get to them, like, "Here's why we're doing this, and here's why it's valuable for the company to ensure that we're supporting everybody in the workplace, and here's mm-hmm. you know the benefit to you as a person." I think that that's really important because I think that like not everyone is gonna be into it not everyone's gonna think that they need to do the work right now. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a range of people that that are open to those um to those learning opportunities. And so yeah, like I remember I went to um I went to a residential school a couple of years ago that was converted into like a resort. Um I was actually hosting a conference and it that was the first time that I really, really understood what a residential school was and what happened. And I remember just thinking like i'm so humbled in the fact that a i get to be here and learn this and b i'm i'm so ins- i'm i feel bad that i don't know enough and it's like mm. and then being able to share that and so i came home i remember telling like my partner and i remember telling like, my parents like being like this experience like how come we didn't know about this and it's like just oh, being yeah. able to have those conversations and be honest and open i think is really important and then sharing what you've learned with others um mm-hmm. i think is really important
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like one of the worst unconscious biases that we have is to try and defend ourselves, to try and defend our psyche and our our ego immediately in a conversation, right? When someone says something that may may shine on us or our ancestors or whatever in a negative light, our immediate reaction is to defend. And I think we need to – and I'm not a psychologist. My wife is. Maybe I should get her on here to talk about this. (laughs) But um, I think one of the things that's probably – really helpful is for people whenever you have an a negative emotional reaction to something to recognize that in yourself and ask yourself why because Mm -hmm. there's something going on there that 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 there's something hidden that might help you grow as a human being and, and become a better person really mm-hmm. right and that speaks that speaks true to the residential school stuff too right like up until very recently when you brought up residential schools it was passed off as oh well whatever right like it was kind of it, it wasn't that bad and blah 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 and now the that the truth is out and it's being talked about more and more it's impossible to ignore mm-hmm. like right and so people have, are starting to come to terms with it and starting to realize that this isn't a reflection on you this is just a reflection on our society and that we need to be able to accept this as a mistake and a problem and a real issue that requires action.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think like as like for myself, whether it's because of gender or if it's because of ethnicity, like being able to challenge people a bit, I think that that can be really important for their own learning. And so for myself, like w- whether it's speaking with family from or friend, sorry, family members or friends, you know, if things are said that make me uncomfortable. I think in the past it was like, oh, that's just I'm brushing it off because that's what that person, you know, that's what they're like. And now it's like, nah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge them a bit on that one because I don't agree with what they're saying, and I don't think it's a right perception to put out there or right thoughts that someone should be thinking. Um, and just being able to challenge it, I think a bit more is is interesting. And that's the same with like with w- with women. Like back when I was early in my career, if you would show up at an event and you know someone would say something to you um, because you're a woman, like you might play it off like. Oh, that's you know that's just how that guy is. Like he's been in the sector for a long time. That's just how he talks to women. And then getting to the point where it's like you can actually say like, "Hey, like you know, shouldn't be talking to women like that. Like that's not really respectful." I think it takes a lot of growth to get there. But I think we're at the point where you know it's no longer acceptable that that's just how somebody is and that's just the the character that they are and just brush it off like, um, you know, it's no big deal. Yeah. Or yeah, even but, just like, oh, that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah. That's that's Joe. Joe's, Joe's like that. You're like, well, you know, maybe Joe shouldn't be like that. And like, Joe's not going to know to change unless I say something. So, yeah, <laughs> hey, Joe.
1: I, I, <laughs> exactly. I imagine if Joe knew he and was And Joe's being, nobody, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Joe's nobody. But I imagine if this this theoretical Joe knew that he was being seen in a negative light by people, he would probably want to know and be able to change, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just providing that opportunity. And like, yeah, there's always going to be people that we disagree with in life. But I think, yeah, like you said, we can't just accept the fact that there's discrimination and, and, and just be like, Oh, well, that's just the way that person is. Mm Well, that's just normalizing it. That's not good. Like that's not what we're trying to do. That's the opposite of what we're trying to do. And And I think
0: that it takes a lot for like, and I I would say this to like men in the sector or to other women in the sector, mm -hmm. when you hear something in a room or at a meeting that is inappropriate and whether it's for women or whether it's for you know, other people of color or or indigenous people, if there's something that's not right, like I think you have to be able to say something at this point or you have to be able to say like, Hey, like we shouldn't be saying that, or we shouldn't be talking about that, or like I remember mm-hmm. at one point early in my career, you would go to a mill, and when you go to the mill, you would always have that calendar in the in the in the in the wood shop, and the calendar was like of women, right, and bikinis oh, right. or whatever, <laughs> and like at first yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like hey, that's funny, and then it was like hey, like that, you know, that's insulting, and so it was like being able to say that, like that ain't right, and it was it was uh yeah, it was interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would ask people to imagine that you had a female boss, and you every time you walked into her office, she had like, yeah, a giant like naked dudes calendar, and you had to stare at that while you had meetings. Like, yeah, it's just, it's not going to fly. It's just not, it's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah, the this whole concept of trying to like move things forward and 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 become more equitable like i think everyone wants to be a part of this solution or most people want to be and but yeah just try it's the challenge is trying to get people to recognize their own faults and and how they can improve on them it seems like
0: Mm -hmm. And there's not going to be like one course you can take and then everything's good, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a continuous. And I think that's what's really unique about the forest sector. Like we all believe in adapted forest management. We all believe that when as we learn more, we change our practices and we become more sustainable because we're learning along in the process. Like that's Mm -hmm. how we should be approaching this. You know, it's adaptable DEI. Like it's adaptable because as we learn, we're making sure it's integrated into the work that we're doing. Like we're already doing in the forest sector. It should not be difficult for us to integrate this as part of that.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just a. It's. It, it, I think it gets. It it gets to be. Um, it's confusing for people, right? Like it's. You almost need to demystify. The idea of equity and diversity. It's. It's. You know what I mean. The words. I think people are on board with, and it's just they're not really sure where to begin. So, but the truth is, it's not easy. It's going to take time. It takes personal work. It's not just something you can put on your mission statement and be like, yeah, we stand for this. And, um, and you know what I mean? Like you need to do personal work on this in order for it to be a professional realization, right? It can't just be something that it, it's a, it's, 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 it's an entire life changing thing to try and to try and be more inclusive.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, um, it's something that you have to ask yourself in an organization, like why do we want this to be a part of who we are? And if it's simply mm-hmm. because we want to put it in our statement on our website, well, then you're going to do the work to do that, right? Like if you if you want to be more inclusive, you have to do the work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And th- there's something like, like for another example, um, I-, I wanted to bring about because you just got back from Matley a few months mm-hmm. ago, correct? Yep. And I-, I wanted to ask you about how – how that how how do you think that, you know, reduced your or no, you not reduced, but how how do you think it changed your opportunity or your confidence levels and and how do you think that would have differed from like a you know, uh like a male coming back or or someone who didn't just have a baby but was taking parental leave coming back? And I just wanted to start to to discuss because I was I was listening to a podcast a little while ago where these women were talking about um they're in interviews and they didn't want to disclose the fact that they have children because they didn't want mm-hmm. to be seen as unreliable or, Oh, they're going to have to go pick up their kids or, Oh, they're going to be late because of this. And so, but men have no problem. The research was showing this is, this is all in a, I think it was in the the lean in group, mm-hmm. I think. And they, they, they released this and how men are not afraid to release like their personal information and that kind of stuff. Whereas women have to have to safeguard that because they might be seen as, as, yeah, it was unreliable or something like that. So I just wanted to ask you how, how Matt leave, how it changed the way you thought about the workplace and inclusive inclusivity.
0: Yeah. And so, um, I did, I did a lot of work before I went on mat leave because I was always like, I was like, how is this going to impact my career? Like I was very career focused in terms of like, I've never had a, I want to be this, but I was like, I I'm driven by my career. Um, I'm proud of the work that I do and it's a part of who I am. And so when Mm -hmm. I went on mat leave, I was like, is this going to impact me? And so, um, a, I remember getting a book or sorry, I got a book from my partner um, he gave it to me for Christmas and it was, um, you know, how how to do it all type of thing. And it was being more efficient with your time. And I remember laughing reading and going... I think as a mom, you do become more efficient with your time. And like those 15 <laughs> minutes that you do have, you power through things versus before when it was like, oh, I could t- take my time or oh, I have a bit of a break here. It's like you're just powering through. So um that one I really internalized and tried to be more conscious of my time and being more efficient with it. Um, But I think it's so I'm part of this group called um Moms at Work on Facebook, and it's not mm. at all sector specific. It's just for moms that are at work now or returning to work or going off on mat leave or whatever. And there's a lot of conversation in that group around you know, uh, what do you do when you put on your resume? Like, you had three years off, like, what do you put? And some people are like, put that you're a mom, like, why not? Like, this was like an important part of your life, an important part of your career. And so I think that we're moving in a direction where people feel more confident, because you have a lot of skills being a mom, you have like, an efficiency thing, you have a caring thing, you have a different approach to the work that you do. Um, recently, I was reviewing my partner's resume, and he actually put because he's on, we, we split our parental leave. Um, he yeah. actually put on his resume like on parental leave as like this gap and this it wasn't even really a gap it was just on parental leave and i was like you know i'm glad that he feels proud enough to put that on there because it is a p- important part of the who you are um and mm-hmm. not to say that parents are better workers than anybody that's not all what i'm saying it's just um you know it's, it's a part of your life and you should be able to own it and and be proud of it um i mm-hmm. think the challenge has been for me coming back from my leave is societal pressure of having like a senior leadership role and being able to be a mom at the same time and so there's this expectation that like you know well mom's the one that's going to take care of things or mom's the one that's gonna like why are you working so long you're a mom like you got to go be a mom and it's like well I work long because I have a great partner who can support and perf- and is there to to be a parent. <laughs> um, my grandmother actually said the other week, she's like, oh, he's babysitting while you're working. And I was like, no, he's just right. being a parent. <laughs> like that's, yeah, 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 that's yeah. what he's doing, right? But she yeah. doesn't get it because she comes from like old school mentality. And so it's being able to say like, yeah, like I have an important role. I have a senior leadership role. And sometimes it requires more time. And like, if I was a man, I bet you nobody would ask me why, no. why, I'm, why I'm like working late or nobody would ask me why i have to take an extra hour here or there to finish something like it's this expectation from society that i think is a bit interesting for me that i've recognized um but i've been very sorry go ahead
1: oh sorry i was just gonna along that lines i was gonna ask you do you feel judged by people do you feel like people think that you're like a bad mother or something like that because you're working so much
0: um i don't think i feel judged i think i just feel like i put on this like personal expectation to be everything which is kind sure. of who I am anyways but now it's okay. like to a whole new level like with a kid and so um yeah. maybe not judge but just like you get comments here and there of like oh I noticed that you're working late it's like well like for me I have a very important like time of the day where I call like my family time and I make sure that I don't I generally don't schedule time things during that time and my mm-hmm. workplace is very supportive of that but that means sometimes when he goes to bed I have to go hop on for an hour to finish something right like that's just yeah. how my life works and that i'm accepting of that it doesn't bother me but it bothers some other people sometimes (laughs) that Mm -hmm. it's like oh she's working later oh like she's she's a mom yet she has to work so long or you know um so it's just been interesting but um i'm like lucky in that like my work was very supportive a when i told them like they were super happy for me Mm -hmm. and b when i came back like i think one of the things that some employers don't realize for whether it's pat leave or mat leave you have to treat your employees coming back as if they're coming back or as as if they're joining the organization. So onboarding process. And I think that was something that I really valued with my return was they, they scheduled time for me to catch up and it wasn't Uh... like, and like a plan and like, here, you're going to talk to this person. You're going to get caught up on this. Here's some time for you to review this. Here are some important documents that you want to get caught up on. And I remember reading before I went off, like I read this whole guide on like maternity leave, and the onboarding process can be if it's if it's missing imagine just coming back to work and opening your email and seeing thousands of emails and not knowing where to start right like <laughs> yeah. if you were a, an employee on day 1 and that happened like you'd be so overwhelmed so it's the same for any parent going back to work so um, I think having a, good a point, yeah, like I think having an onboarding process and onboarding time and being flexible that they're not going to be up to speed in two weeks and, you know, it might take a month for them to really get caught up in like being able to contribute, I think is, is really important for employers to consider for any parent.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I never really considered I never really considered that the uh the onboarding time thing. That may, totally makes sense. Yeah, cuz this person although they are it's like somebody that you you know knows their job, but yeah, there's they've been gone for 6 months or a year or whatever it is and like yeah, they're going to need time to catch up there's again. There's new and,
0: people that are probably a part of the organization. There's things that have happened yeah. that like when I was on Leaf, no, I wasn't reading everything that my company was doing. I was trying to enjoy my lap my mat leave during a pandemic. So it's like, you know, it's just it's it's important to provide that um, that support for your people that are coming back from any leave, whether it's sickly family leave, leave that they just needed for their own mental health. Like mm-hmm. treat them like they are coming back after a long leave, like they're a new employee, and just give them time to catch up.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit again? Um, we we discussed a little bit about how like men or might might have kind of like rose colored glasses on a little bit and may think that we we're we're a little bit more ahead than we are um how do you think we 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 tackle that kind of thing like you know what i mean just people thinking that like oh we're good like we're inclusive we have lots of women and it's like there's no worries
0: um i almost want to challenge other employees who might who might think otherwise to speak up and so, whether it's other sure. women or other men, like your fear leadership is indicating that you're further ahead than you actually feel like they might be. I think mm. it's important for people to bring that up and say, "Hey, I think we could do more work in this," or "Hey, we're not perfect." Listen, I found, but come with like evidence or not evidence, but come with like a case for why it's something to sure. consider. I think that that's really important. Like being able to say like you know, you're not being, you're not being supportive of women in the workplace. And here's why. And here's, and you know, what here's some solutions. I think it's really important. So I challenge people, whether it's women or men within their companies to push a little bit. And that's right. also that'll show your leadership in order to be able to que- not question, but provide solutions for a company.
1: Hmm. It's a difficult thing to find in a company, though. Right? Like, I don't think it's mm-hmm. it's normal. Like, I think it's becoming it's becoming more normalized. I I, I gather, but it, I don't think it's it's normal to go into a company and see this openness and this willingness to discuss the very honest and very difficult. Have the really difficult conversations, right? So it's, and I think it you, is, you can find your
0: of. champion, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe it's not the CEO you can go to, but there's a champion who has that strong connection that you can say, Hey, like I was thinking this, who can feed that into their thinking or can be that voice for you if you can't necessarily have that connection and help elevate your thoughts and your, or bring you into the conversation. I think like find your champion that you can piggyback off of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what do you think is the problem with underrepresentation in a company? Like, can you break down just like the like the nitty gritty of of not just for you know underrepresentation of women, but uh, like people of color or or, or whatever? Uh, like, could you make a business case for that kind of thing? Yeah,
0: like I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but there's a lot of there's a lot of um, stats out there that say how good it is for your business to have different perspectives, and I think that's something that's really um, important for companies to realize is like you're only going to come up with unique solutions if you bring in u- unique perspectives into the organization. Yeah. And so I would just challenge them. I mean, you can Google it and just say diversity and business. And I think that you'll you'll find a lot of articles now that that can back that up and say why mm-hmm. having diverse people in your workplace is beneficial for business. And so whether it's diverse perspectives, ideas, or whether it's um, providing more people will see you as a company they want to work with because you're providing that inclusive environment. So it'll create more business opportunities for you. Um, I think that the research is out there to support that. And so if you're someone in your organization that feels like they need to show that in order to change it at leadership, um, I always say come if you want to create change, I like come with a business case of like why this might matter to them. And yes. you're more likely to create change when you create a business case. And that's kind of goes back to like what I said earlier, which is most time women are not encouraged to develop those business skills. And so um, presenting that can be really important for both women and men to drive change in the sector
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so that's kind of that's kind of come to the end of 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 my what I've got written down and my thoughts on on this subject, but I want to give you an opportunity to discuss like is there anything that that you think is important to discuss any any concepts that we haven't gotten to? I mean there's there's obviously there's there's lots and lots to talk about with this issue but um is there anything important to you right now or specific that you think that we should we should uh put out there?
0: Um I think for me I think my career path has is a lot different than other women in the sector and so I would kind of emphasize that like for me I didn't have many challenges that I could say my gender created for me and that just might be because of where I am in the sector. So I've been more on the education side, more on the conservation side, more on the nonprofit side where there is generally more women um sure. whether it's in leadership or in the organization overall. So I think sometimes um I don't want to cast this perception that, that there's not been, there's not challenges faced by women. Cause I feel like all the time when I read stuff that's happening in our Facebook group, I'm surprised that sometimes things are still happening, but I'm also. Um, I'm educated that, you know, there's still work to be done and that there are still people out there that face like discrimination or face a challenging workplace or don't feel supported because they are a new parent or don't feel like they're advancing in their company because they're not being given those opportunities. Um, I've just been fortunate that I haven't, I, I haven't seen it or I can't identify it. And that's, I feel privileged to have Experience that. And I know that that is not reflective of women in the sector. And so um, I come at it with a very different perspective. And mine is very, very much focused on building a space in the sector where women feel like they can stay and feel like they're empowered and contribute to something that is long term. And it's not just a job but it's a career. And so I hope that the work that I do really translates into that. So I just like mm-hmm. to kind of give that history that for me, I don't feel like my gender has held me back, but I know it does for a lot of people.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I, I guess advice to, to women out there would be to join your group.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or if it, I mean, for men too, is like, you know, if you have women in your workplace. I encourage them to join the group because it might be a place where they will feel empowered and will contribute to your organization because they're like, hey, I want to grow. Hey, I learned about this cool opportunity. Hey, you know, I'm going to do this training because someone else did it. And, you know, it it led them to a different career or led them to grow in their own organization. Are you good with me doing that? Like you'd be surprised what the network can do for women. So men, I would say, encourage women to join the group. Women I would say, encourage you to join the group and be a part of it if you're not on facebook I mean um there's we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, but the conversations that are the most meaningful definitely happen um within Facebook, but yeah, I mean for me, it's just i want i want I want there to be a day when it's like women in the workplace is not this stat. The, that is low and a stat that we have to focus on, but we're just talking about the sector and how it's leading, and we're not focusing on the negative side of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that'll absolutely. be a
0: long time coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's a long societal shift that needs yeah. to sure. needs to happen, right? But I think the important thing is that the conversations are happening, and hopefully, people like as a sector but as a society as well that we start to be just more open and honest it seems like that's that's the path forward right so it's yeah it's exciting to hear that you guys that you guys created this this successful group that's provided so much help and empowerment for 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 people for women in the workplace and I'm yeah I'm excited to hear about it and I'm I'm excited to to keep tabs on you guys and what you get up to and and how you know, how this changes over time. This is good. Yeah,
0: and I would say too, like we sell t-shirts for men. So if they, if you feel like you need to support women in wood, you can always get the the men's sizing of the shirt um, or you can follow us on anything but Facebook. But um, but yeah, I would just encourage people to elevate the women in their own organization and, you know, p- highlight what they're doing that's so, that you're so proud of at your company because it'll just encourage more women to join.
1: Absolutely, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jess, for taking the time mm-hmm. to do this. Um, yeah, this has been great. I, 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 I. Whenever I'm doing these like social conversations, I'm always a little nervous internally. Yeah, and just I want to, you know what I mean? Because like you, you, you just you want to say the right thing and you want to be a a good advocate of that kind of thing. And so it's always, but it's fun. I like that. It's exciting because it's challenging and it provides me opportunity to be honest with myself and Mm -hmm. to try to check my own biases and that kind of thing. So this has been a really, yeah, I really appreciated our conversation. It's been excellent.
0: Great. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks so much for listening, guys. I know I learned a bunch during that conversation. Um, You know, it really opens your eyes up to the, the small things that make a big difference. Right. And I just, I'm looking forward to going into some unconscious bias training myself, learning about my own biases and my own mind and how I can further that to help everyone and myself. Right. And yeah, I hope you guys do the same. So thanks so much, Jessica, for taking the time. That was awesome. I wish you all the luck in the world. I hope that women in wood continues to grow and continues to flourish and continues to help people navigate the workplace it's really really cool what you guys have done and I yeah congratulate you it's just so cool thanks a lot for listening everybody I hope you enjoyed that Um, I know I did and uh, yeah lots of cool stuff coming down so uh, yeah come back in a few weeks I'll have another cool episode for you tell a friend share it on social media rate and review all that stuff is the very least you can do for you know free content (laughs) so thanks a lot guys Have a good one, take it easy, and we'll catch you next time.